right. Here we are. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 69. Who would have thought that we would have been, you know, an episode away from 70? Look at that. Look, who would have thought? Yeah, it's like it's, that's it's like, almost like the numbers move in a sequence no, but like, towards a destination. We are sense. like two, almost a year and a half into doing this. Yes. It's wild. It is wild. awesome. And yeah. I'm so happy you're here, Scott. Oh, that's sweet. And I'm happy you're here, Ollie. Yes. And yes. this episode is, what are we talking about? We're, well, first of all, before that, this is Science in Between. I don't even think you said that. I didn't say it. And oh, you're, gosh. And we need we a checklist. Said, we, we said each other's names. So we need a structure. people know who we are. We do we need, need some structure. <laughs> now, that we're, now that we're at almost 70 episodes, we need structure. We need some structure. Darn it. So um, this episode, I, you know, a, a friend, uh, a couple colleagues of ours, uh, mine, um, I said ours because Leslie was yeah. here last last time, last yeah, episode. Yeah. So a couple uh, colleagues of mine have a new book coming out, um, and they, they're uh, they're the Himalayas. They've written a book that's um, uh, got some um, renown, uh, total participation techniques. That's from ASCD Press, and they have a new book coming out that uh, Why Are We Still Doing This? Um, and they're nine you know things that are happening in schools that evidence shows that we shouldn't be doing. And um, which I think is a kind of a novel, you know, um, topic for a book. But I, I saw it come up on my feed and I was like, oh, that'd be a really cool episode for us here. You know, what are some of the things that uh, we're doing in schools in science classrooms that we shouldn't like? Why are we still doing that in a science classroom? Yeah. And, and I think we kind of talked about this maybe in some, you know, uh, roundabout way in previous episodes, but I think we should just like right go right at it. And so Scott and I have uh, done you know lots of thought process. We both have like a little piece of paper. We, we both prepared, <laughs> which is good. Yes, it's, there there uh, is. I mean, unusual and good. Yeah. yeah, we both have like a little like post-it note with a couple ideas jotted down. Yeah, so like that's two that, two that's, things we just wrote. Some, yeah, serious. I have more than two things. I but. have more than two things too. I was trying. Can you hear that? I do see it. I see it's it. Like it's like Foley. A, can yeah, you hear that? I, can you hear that? I, yeah. That's, my, that's my nose. You're a Foley artist now. Yeah, You're, I am. Um, look I mean, at you. Somebody's got to be. Yeah. Well, that oh, will be like. We'd have to up our production like a lot if we're going to get up fully artist. Well, I mean, if, if that's the quality of fully we're going to do, I'm just going to flap my sticky notes in front of the microphone. That I, don't, I don't know if that's really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would okay. just be happy with reliable internet, Scott. That's what I would have, be happy for. Ali, that, that is so unfair of you to say because you have like rock solid, super high speed internet and I have like a, a horse and buggy internet. I was talking about the show. Us, I'm, I'm, our show, have reliable internet. But I digress. But what we're okay. really talking about is me. I wasn't going to out you as you, the person uh, with yeah. you. You kind of like totally did that yourself. Yeah. So, so there you go. So why are we still doing that, Scott? I don't know why what. We, I don't know. Pick something that you don't want to do right. anymore, Ali, and tell me about it. So here's here's where I'm going to uh, lead off with. Um, why are we not offering more science experiences for our students in elementary schools? Like, why is it so heavily invested? I, I get literacy is really important. Math is really important. Those are the foundations that we build so much on. But science is the thing that, you know, builds curiosity. Like, you know, what, what's interesting is, you know, Leslie was here last week as, as our art friend and this, past weekend she was in a city with her family 
and they were going to go to an art museum, a science museum, and she has younger kids, and they spent a lot of time at the science museum. You know, they spent a lot of time because there's this natural curiosity that I think happens with kids when they get around science because it's understanding the world around them, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, I, I see when I walk into elementary schools and I see that, you know, they may spend like, I don't know, one unit a year in in science. I find that troubling, you know? And I, I, I'm like, why are we still doing that? Why are we still, you know, not providing those experiences for students that can build curiosity, that can help them understand the world around them, that can, you know, and then we look at the pipeline problem in America in terms of science. And that's like one of the areas because mm-hmm. like w- students don't really get like science in any wholesale way until they get them to middle school. And then it's just like, at that point, it's like competing with everything else. And mm-hmm. we're teaching. Yeah. So why are we still doing yeah, that? Yeah. And, and science is a great context for doing that work, right? Reading, writing, and math. Like there's, yeah. those are all, all of those things, all different forms of literacy um, work well in the, and even artistic literacy, right? Like, you know, we don't, I think we talk about, like when we talk about kids making models, drawing pictures, because models are not just words, right? So, so asking students to draw pictures and descriptions uh, as part of their descriptions of science ideas is, is something that we could be doing in science and that, you know, good science instruction in elementary grades takes full advantage of that. I mean, it's not like there aren't people that don't know how to do this and don't know how to incorporate all these literacies and numeracies into science instruction. So it's not like they're mutually exclusive. And, and that context brings value, right? Because as you say, curiosity will engage a different group of kids. Um, And I'm not saying stop reading or uh, neither of us are saying like, Oh, we need to do less reading or, or less math. It's just that we need to think about how those things could be incorporated more uh, conscientiously into other forms of instruction or other areas of instruction. I think, you know, science and social studies, I think social studies gets short shrift in elementary school too. Um, So I think those are both areas where um, literacy could be broadened uh, into those areas. Well, not to jump ahead to another one of mine, but I think that's a good lead into it is that is teaching content as isolated subjects. And we are, we do that not only in science, but across the boards, right? We teach all of the content as being like, okay, this is, this is reading time. This is math time. This is science time. Oh, we're going to teach biology in, you know, eighth grade. We're going to teach earth science in ninth grade. We're going to teach, you know, all of that. We teach this all as isolated, discrete topics when in the real world, it's all intertwined, like history and art and science. Like you go to like, the Renaissance period. I mean, come on. It's like, like that right there can be the subject for an entire unit, Mm -hmm. entire year of art, science, history, English, all of it, like that Renaissance period, you know, because it was, you know, all of it was informing one another, right? All of those, you know, the science, scientific advances were informing, you know, art, which was informing like literature, which was informing everything, you know, politics, yep. right? Yep. You know, and, and we teach them as like, oh, we're going to talk about the politics stuff over here in history class. Well, these things are not discrete. They're all interconnected. And we do our students a disservice by teaching them that way. 
Yeah. And maybe that's sort of an Uber point here because one of the ones that was on my list and these are, these are big things. Like we're not, we're not suggesting like little changes, like, Oh, why are we still taking attendance or something? Like these, these are serious, like we're, we're addressing big issues, but, but one of the ones that, that we've talked about before and, and that I'll add to your collection of things here is the idea of like age level organization of schooling. Like, and, and a lot of these things, um, you know, whether it's age level organization, whether it's this sort of dis- discrete topic areas and, and dividing things up into content, like one of the arguments for that is often like, oh, well, you know, if I live in Ohio and then I move to Michigan, I want my kids to, to be able to connect and, and <clears throat> move into the school community and understand what's going on and have the same sort of background. There's a sense that like standardization in that way is good. Um, because it allows students to move around and, and it keeps standards, right? It keeps things standard in that sense. Um, but, you know, if we rethink that and really think like, well, if our schools were like communities of learning where yeah. they were not divided by age and topic and kids were inquiring in, in groups about, about things they were interested in and, you know, then this whole moving across would matter a lot less because you, I mean, you'd still have to move into the community and learn how it worked and what people were investigating, but it wouldn't be dependent on these things that you knew in the past. It would be a natural sense of like, okay, I'm learning with this community. I'm becoming part of it by engaging with the problems that they're engaged with. And, and my interests will also shape the community as I enter it. So this idea that, like we we've carved everything up into these little chunks uh and you know that's that's a historic problem with our schools that you know again for me is really grounded in how we think about learning fundamentally yeah so do you have another one you want to jump into cuz i did two and you know yeah i mean yeah so i mean I guess this one's a smaller one, so I'll pick this one. That and it's science specific. But this, the why are we still doing confirmation labs, right? Why? That's on why, my list. Yeah, look at you. See, look at that. Um, you know, in science, we have we have this amazing opportunity, right? That that we, you know, and we talked about this with Leslie last week too about this materiality. Science is material, and and schools recognize that right like there many schools have lab, extra lab periods for mm-hmm. for science classes because there's a sense that yeah you need to do that stuff and even if they don't there's a sense of the physical facilities almost always the faci- the facilities that science classrooms uh, have are different that are fundamentally different they have other stuff in them they might i mean in the olden days they would have gas jets they probably don't have most new classrooms that are being developed don't have those but you have sinks you have access to materials and whatever right so so this idea that we have this opportunity to really engage kids with material and what we end up doing is these like horrible like step-by-step processes where they're just following directions without understanding what what it what damage it does not only to their engagement with the discipline but also to their understanding of this of the science it's just really terrible yeah, like there, there's those there the cookbook labs, right? That you just go through and mm. and and I would argue, and I think I talked to you about this uh, like a few episodes ago. Like the best cookbooks that you know, we I was talking about the Dory's cookbook, mm. cookie cookbook, where what it does is it doesn't just tell you the process, but it tells you why you should do the process and the science behind the process. 
that is even value added over these confirmation labs that we do. Cause like so much right. of it is just like, do this, measure this, do this. And then it's a, like a table now divide this by this. And then it's like, come on, like, what is, what is the, the learning that's happening? And it's like, well, we have this, you know, this lab time set aside, we've got to use it and we have this equipment and like help kids like develop questions that they, you know, they're interested in that are related to the stuff that we're, they're talking about and see if they can hone in on some of the things that they, they want to solve. And, you know, that's, I mean, it's harder, right. And it's more open-ended and different kids are going to get to different spaces. But I think that that to me is, um, is going to spark more interest and more love of science than, you know, yeah, then these confirmation. Yeah, well, labs. and get getting rid of confirmation labs is is an easier ask than getting rid of age level arrangements right. or or breaking down barriers between disciplines. Like those are big asks, right? Yeah. I mean, we we talk about them a lot in education for years, um, but but like getting rid of these labs that really uh, just like when you think about what a disservice they do to kids in terms of, of their under fundamentally their understanding of what science is and then what the consequences for that are. You know, we keep talking about this, like the idea that, that science is authority rather than process, yeah. right. It, it's done so much damage to us as a society. And, and, uh, and, you know, I just think, wow, we really need to fix it. And one of the ways that is the, easiest fix in some sense is these these lab activities is you've got this material stuff so let's do something productive with it let's actually have kids engage and learn well i'll say you just tipped off another one of mine which was Uh the uh teaching science is information rather than process yeah yeah Yeah. because that's what we do um we teach it as a body of knowledge rather than as practices as processes that spin you know across disciplines. And yeah, that's a challenge. Cause we, you know, even my, my son, who's got this big biology test this week uh, is like studying pages and pages and pages of notes. Um, and and he, what was funny was that at dinner the other night, he goes like, okay, what, why do I need to know about photosynthesis? And I go, you don't, why, why do you need to know about photosynthesis? It's, it's pointless. And he goes, well, no, no, it's not pointless. Um, and he started telling me why it was important. <laughs> and so I totally played him, you know, and he started talking about like all of the, like why I go, Hey, it, I mean, it's not like you can do photosynthesis. It's not like important for you. Like you could live without photosynthesis. And he was like, well, actually I can't live without photosynthesis. <laughs> like, come on, build your case. Come on. And then he's like, you know, and my, my wife gets this big grin on her face because she can see exactly what I'm doing. Right. right. It's just like, you know, playing devil's advocate for him. And then he like, he, he totally didn't out. catch it. Yeah. No, he didn't catch it. Oh, he it didn't? Like, oh. No, he like totally laid out a really strong argument for why we need to learn photosynthesis. However, the challenge oh, okay. is that it's just a memorization thing for him. Like, sure. it's like, he's like, okay, well, here are all the chemicals and here are all the processes and, you know, here's what mm-hmm. leads into one and the other. And it's like, okay, that's all, that's all important and we need to have this. But what about like, there are other things that they could be doing with that information or, you know, and or not, I don't know. They, well, they could be doing something with it. Right. right. Besides just remembering. It. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing, right. They don't yeah. do anything with it. They just memorize it. And it's like, well, that's terrible. Yeah. Like it's like the whole world is just a big trivia contest. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, <clears throat> the, 
but the thing, you know, this is the, this is the thing that I think so many science teachers struggle with is like, even just the way you described it or, or, or really your son described it. I don't know if we're using names, so I'm just going to, I'm going to stick good. with it. Well, actually he's in the show notes or what? Oh, he was, he yeah. used to be our, uh, our audio our technician, audio engineer. He was our audio engineer. Enzo was our audio engineer yeah. for you know, the first like probably 20 or 30 episodes. Audio by Enzo. Now he's but just too, too busy for that. Too busy. He's too yeah. busy memorizing photosynthesis to, yes. <laughs> to show up to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, but this going back to this point, like what what's the struggle? Well, for science people, it's understanding that photosynthesis is not a phenomenon right? That's not a thing for somebody to explain. Now, right. what you did was ask him to explain the importance of it, which is different. Yeah. But, but really, you know, what we're talking about is like, how, how does the, how, what is the fundamental principles? What is it that makes our ecosystems work? Right. And what makes our ecosystems work is plants and the, and the fact that plants can produce their own food, Right. So understanding that is super important. Understanding the chemical formula for photosynthesis, eh, not so much. I mean, maybe eventually, possibly, but knowing much more about the process, like how do plants do that? Like how do plants make their own food? Because as you said to Enzo, like we can't do that. I can't right. stick my arm out the window at lunchtime and refuel myself and, you know, and then, and then go back to work. Right. So, so there, and without those, those plants being able to engage in that process, yeah, we would all be in trouble because that's where we get all our food. Like the, the food comes from those plants for us one way or another, right. whether it's directly or indirectly. So understanding the process of how they make their own food is super important. Understanding the chemical formula for photosynthesis is mm. just something we've turned it into. Right. Yeah. And, but now the problem is many science people, equate those as if they're the same. And it's like, they're not the same because one is an explanation of a fundamental process in, that exists in the world. And that's a phenomenon. The other is a piece of, of knowledge that's been developed. And this is goes to your fundamental point. Science is a body of knowledge like that. That's a piece of knowledge that's been developed over hundreds of years and lots of different domains contributed to it, right? Like biology, chemistry, and physics all contributed to our current understanding of photosynthesis. But photosynthesis in and of itself is just a, a, a two-sentence definition and a chemical formula. It's like, meh. Yeah. All right, you got another one? Yeah, I got another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Well, you know what? This, I, as I'm, we're like midway through this episode, we do sound like two old guys. Get, hey, get off yeah, my yard. Right. Hey, you kids, yeah. get off my yard. You kids. <laughs> I was stinking up my yard with your photosynthesis memorization. Yeah. A rump. <laughs> I didn't get a rump. Out of that guy. Uh, um, yeah. Well, let's just continue harumphing. I mean, most of these things I think are things we've already talked about in, in one respect or another, but uh, you know, calling them out maybe, but multiple choice tests or, yeah. or just the assessments that we do in general, right. right? Like the superficiality of those assessments. And again, I, it, it's not that I don't understand why, we do, we do these things because, you know, teachers are time constrained. Like they, they're not walking around with like, God, I wish I had more to do because I'm super bored and I'm sitting here eating bonbons. So, um, so I understand the time constraint and why that pushes you towards, um, quote unquote, efficient assessments. 
But, you know, I look at the, the work of middle school kids who are writing complex, thoughtful explanations for phenomenon as their final assessment versus taking a multiple choice test. Yeah. And it, it, you can't, it, it, it's not even like saying apples and oranges. It, they're, they're like uh, uh, orders of magnitude different in quality in terms of what you actually understand about kids and what they know as a result of that assessment. They're actually learning through the assessment because they have to produce this explanation. Um, and it's, it's meaningful to everybody comparatively. Now, that said, it's also really hard. It's yeah. difficult for the teachers and, and to grade those things and time consuming. And if you've got 150 kids and you're reading explanations that are, you know, multiple pages long, that's brutal. But yeah. and and a lot of science teachers will say, look, I'm not an English teacher. I don't want to read kids writing. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to teach them science. And it's like, wow. So what? Like scientists don't write like what's what are peer reviewed journal articles like that? That's the coin of the realm in science. Like writing is a core competency in, in the participation in science. And again, not so many multiple choice tests uh, when when you're doing science. Right. Like no. that's not the way it works. Well, I would say the kind of kind of building on that a little bit is that, you know, we have a, a lot of these multiple choice tests, but we we have so much of an emphasis on life science, right? That like so much of what the kids learn is life science related. Mm. That, and, and maybe some of it's connected to the fact that, um, you know, that's the thing that's really easy for, for kids to engage with in safe ways in, in schools and classrooms. But, you know, it's almost to the, you know, detriment of like physical sciences, like, or, you know, astronomy and weather like those are just like throwaways right like there's so little emphasis on the earth sciences in our schools that i mean they don't understand and i think that's some of it we're seeing the impacts of it right not only because of you know the you know conversations around um the global pandemic but also around climate change mm -hmm. right is that i mean there are big you know big issues at play here in terms of global climate change and a lot of it comes from the fact that um, people, adults, the citizens don't understand basic science behind it mm -hmm. and, and also don't understand how science works, right? And so I think, you know, moving away from this life sciences as being, you know, the coin of the realm in, in a lot of schools, like most kids will graduate with like, you know, between ninth grade, between middle school and high school, they'll have three years of life science, some kids, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And they'll have a little bit of physics, maybe they'll have a little bit of chemistry, maybe they'll have a half a semester of earth science, maybe, maybe a semester. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, no. Well, and a lot of the work that I've done in my, in my scholarly uh, pursuits has been in the geosciences and, yeah. and um, my background was more in astronomy and physics. So it's an area that, that I'm interested in and I care about. And I, you're right. I mean, it's, it is relegated to um, really low status, right? So it's yeah. typically taught in, in middle school to some degree or other. Most high schools don't really do anything um, or it's very limited or it's limited to a particular uh, group of students, which is to say the students that are not able to handle the regular quote unquote, handle the regular science. We put them in earth science as sort of right. a dumping ground for kids who, um, who are deemed unworthy of participating in the more difficult sciences. And then every once in a while, there's a, you know, end of the year or end of the academic career sort of, um, 
elective, like environmental yeah. science or environmental studies or something, sometimes astronomy, like it, that, that you can do as a, well, I need one more science class sort of thing, but yeah, yeah there isn't a lot of emphasis on it. And, and, you know, the argument's been made many times, but I'll just articulate it here because there's always somebody who hasn't seen the Flintstones. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the argument is that earth science and earth sciences are integrative, right? Like they integrate biology, chemistry, and physics. They, sure. they, they are fundamentally um, multi because there's all these different spheres, the biosphere and the geosphere and the atmosphere. These things um, integrate multiple areas of content and what we think of as separate content in these in high school classes. So they they make sense in many respects as a capstone course for for science instead of a dumping ground for ninth graders to right. who can't hack quote unquote hack the other sciences. So you want to tell us how that connects to the Flintstones? Oh, sorry, that's <laughs> that's just a, a turn of phrase I've heard before to describe like the idea that just because you know something doesn't mean that everybody knows something. So uh, uh, there's there's somebody born, you know, there's there's somebody born every day who who hasn't seen the Flintstones, and so telling them about the Flintstones is uh, is you know not not a bad thing because you know yabba dabba do or whatever. <laughs> yeah, there may be a listener or two out there who goes Flintstones. I have to Flintstones. Google yeah, the yeah. Flintstones. Well, I I mean certainly I don't think my children know who the Flintstones are, but I don't know. I've never actually asked them. Uh, and I, and I want to be clear, I am not advocating for the Flintstones as a high quality piece of media. Um, but I've just, the point is that, um, we're old, uh, and there are things we know <laughs> that we take for granted. Um, and that, you know, other people may not know. Uh, and so, so that's when, all I was trying to, when you think about like how preposterous the, the pitch for the Flintstones is right. Like, but it's like, okay, we're going to take the honeymooners, which again, yeah. something that some listeners probably have no idea what that is. For sure. And, and let's set it in, you know, prehistoric times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's but still have all the same technologies. They'll just be right. dinosaur based. <laughs> right. And rock. So you, you've got, <laughs> a, you got a telephone that's like a, a, a dinosaur uh, pterodactyl or something and you pick right. it up and talk into it and yeah and it's a, te uh, a te television that's just a big rock that you know right. that that they you know act out the things with little birds and prehistoric right. animals and you make awesome. your car go by pedaling it with your feet yeah yeah brilliant yeah. brilliant so check Soul. it out that and the jetsons <laughs> so you got the bookends right like, which is I basically the same thing just set in yeah. you know in yeah. the future where you can put your car in a briefcase and then have it. Well, it's a flying car to be clear. It is. It a is. flying car that folds up into a briefcase when you get to work. I, I want that. I yeah. mean, that's kind of like they do it with, you know, bicycles now. I mean, there's some bicycles. You yeah. Can do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 All right. We, we just had a little, you know, digression. Is that what we yeah. call that? Uh, yeah. Like we went down the rabbit hole of, you know, Flintstones, old Hanna-Barbera cartoons. Hanna-Barbera. I know. Well, we didn't even really get into the obscure one, so we'll we'll save that for a special uh, pa Patreon episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ollie and I will discuss old Hanna Barbera cartoons that nobody cares about. Oh, we could do a whole episode around Sid and Marty Croft. <laughs> oh, right, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters. Like we could, yes. we could, yeah, we could crush it. 
Yeah, that would be, that would, I mean, it's hard to imagine how much our, our, our listenership <laughs> would go up. Wow. Wow. It would be, yeah. Those would be uh, episodes in which we would have advertising. Because right. Be- For sure. Yeah. Pro- probably from Sid and Marty Croft. Marty Croft. Yes. Who are, who are probably dead now. They're but, way dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not just a little, not just dead, way dead. Way dead. What about yeah. Hanna-Barbera? Are they dead or way dead? I'm pretty sure they're both, both way, way dead. dead. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Too bad. <laughs> okay. I mean, That's a... I'm not fact-checking any of that, but I could, no. I mean, we, hey, we, show In notes. fairness, we don't, we don't fact-check anything on the <laughs> no. show. So don't, don't take any of this to be true. This is yeah. asterisks. Um, yeah. Whose turn is it now? Because I, I think I did the, I think I did the life sciences one. And so I okay. think. You may be up. I have I have one more, but I think we've talked about it a little bit. Um, well, just go ahead because you've started now, so I want you. Yeah. To roll what, what, with it's it. about your... connecting students, to, uh, connecting science to students' lives. Mm. Um, you know, doing a better job of showing. And I think that's threaded throughout all the things we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Is that um, we teach science as it's 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 a subject that is to be learned, yeah. when in reality it's something that connects to our kids' lives, to all of our lives, to the world around us, to everything. And we have to do, a, a, we have to do that more intentionally with our students to show that these are not just, you know, subjects that they can learn, but practices that they can engage with, things that can help them understand the world that they live in. And to be, and it should actually, not just that, but it also, I mean, the next step for me would be, you know, to get to guide their decision-making, you know, in terms of how to live in the world around them and the choices that they make and, and to be a better consumer and to be a better, like, just, you know, and just so much of it can be, um, you know, impacted personal decision-making, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think one of the, one of the central notions of, of what we talk about on, on this podcast about how we think about science is, is thinking about kids' agency and how much we constrain or or um, remove opportunities for them to to engage agentically in in schools. Like we we just don't like they have no control over their environment, um, what they learn, how they learn, any of that stuff. Um, and you know, I'm not I'm not saying every school needs to go to consensus based democratic schooling. Like there are schools like that, and if that's what you're interested in, great. But just the idea of of understanding that kids are human beings and treating them that way. Like, I don't know. Wow. Radical concept. Right. But come on, like, why are we doing this to our children? It's, it is just crazy. And then we expect them to go out into the world and be agents, right. To be, to act insanely and for them, not just for themselves, but for their larger community. And surprise, surprise, they're not particularly good at it because we don't give them any opportunities to practice it. Um, so yeah. I was today years old when I heard the word agentically. Really? Yeah. All that's right. the first time I've heard that. Today I just wrote it down. Old. Okay. Today years old. And, and it's agentic is yeah. also a word and yeah. agentic learning is also a word. Yes, it is. A, a phrase, you know, yeah. it's all and agency. I, it's agency it's, all the yeah. way down. Right. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> turtles. Turtles. Yeah. And yeah. Also, somebody's going, what the heck are they talking about? Turtles. turtles all the way down. <laughs> but yeah. like that is that is a I love that. I just love that. That is like I could savor that, you know, in, mm. in the idea that, you know, learning should be about promoting agency for the learner. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. That is yeah. like 
something that I I think I'm so I buy into that without even knowing it existed. You know. Well, I think it's it's a wrapper around everything we're talking about. Sure. Right? I mean, fundamentally, all these things are about the idea. Like, science is a body of knowledge explicitly positions the teacher as the authority, right? Yeah. Like I know the stuff you do not know the stuff. And, and that, that is not a position of agency for kids because they're, they, they do not know. So we have taken away the knowing from them. I mean, that the other one, the last one that's on my list, which is related to this, so I'm going to throw it in as long as we're talking about it is textbooks. Like why on earth are we using yeah. textbooks? Like they're, they're, they are a crutch, right? They, they, they are the worst kind of crutch because if you give a teacher a textbook and they feel even remotely uncomfortable, which of course, if you're a good teacher, a lot of times you're going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You'll default into using that. Like first year teachers, like when they get hired, they walk in the door and what do they usually get handed? Okay. Here's the textbook for your class. Well, you've just defined not just the curriculum, but the orientation of, of right. that teacher to their subject and the students to that subject as well, right? You've basically said, look, here's the body of knowledge. Here's the answer book. You're, you've got the teacher edition. Lucky you, because yours has the answers in the back. Right. And go teach the class. And by teach the class, it means like assign chapter one, section one on the first day and just follow it through. And answer the questions at the end of the yeah. of the. Of the section, I told which are usually to... ones that just go, you know, that's, it comes back to what two episodes ago about, you know, montillating Traxeline. Montillate that Traxeline, baby. Yeah. Well, and I, and I'm trying to remember if I told this story to you or on the podcast or not, but um, I bumped into one of my colleagues who's, uh, who's a science, I will not name them, but they are a science person here at Penn state. And, um, and, and we were talking and uh, I was complaining about the length of our semester at Penn state, which is, which is 15 weeks plus a week of final exams, which is long compared to most universities and most other universities in the big 10 by at least a week. And in some cases, two weeks. Um, and she said to me, well, interestingly, the story I heard is that the reason for that is because when Penn state set the length of its semester, the chemistry faculty members said, well, our, our textbook has 16 chapters, so we need to have 16 weeks in our semester. Wow. Now I'm, I am fairly sure that's apocryphal, but it's also plausible uh, you sure. know, given the context of, of the way the world works, right. Is like, Oh, well, all that kids need to know about chemistry is in those 16 chapters. So we sure. just need one week per chapter. Boom. We're done. Like planning. And, over. and each one of those chapters gets a week because, yeah, because they're all we, equally important. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, this was a lot of old guy Grunting. waves fist at cloud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Urgh>. <laughs> food. Uh, all right. So let, let's, let's shift to joys, I guess. Yeah, you know, I guess. Why, wow, wow, wow. Why, over- <laughs> why are we still doing this? <laughs> why are we still doing joys or just no, anything? just that? That was the episode. Why are we still doing this? Why are we you still know? doing this? Well, I have a joy. You want to go or you want, you want me no, to? No, I definitely want you to go. All right. Well, I'll jump in. And, and it's going to sound um, like, you know, self aggrandizing. And I don't mean it to be. Okay. Hmm. Um, Looking forward to this. Okay. So. I, my, one of the joys that I have is, is my blog. 
Okay. Nice. So I, I've been blogging since 2009 and uh, I, I do a weekly post usually on Tuesdays and it's at the eight blog wordpress.com and we can put the link in there and honestly i'm not talking about this so that all of you go check out my blog you know but, the, but you all should go and the check dozens out. of people who are listening um but i think more for me um in 2009 i was leading a professional development thing on campus and someone said hey <clears throat> ollie where where can we find other stuff like this or where can we you know can you send out a newsletter or you know oh, and i'm like nice. and and i'm like well um, I don't want to send out a newsletter. Um, they, and I was like, well, why don't I just start blogging? And so I started this with the idea that I would just share something interesting every week. Um, and then it became a habit. And that's really the joy that I want to celebrate this week is about habits, about forming habits that are ones that can feed you. Um, because here I am, you know, what is this, 12 years later, I'm still blogging once a week. I'm still sitting down and there's some weeks that like nobody reads and there's some weeks that lots of people read. But the, the thing is, is every week I sit down and I have to reflect on my journey as a teacher, as a colleague, as a parent. And I write something that, that I reflect on that I go, Hmm, this is something that I, I need to process. And that's for, that's really what it is about me. The habit that I developed was the, right to think habit. Mm -hmm. And that was something that I, I struggled with before because I would just get stuck in my head, but there's lots of times where I have to really process something that I, the only way I'm going to be able to process it is by sitting down and writing about it. And then the finding the right words to describe my feelings or the right connections. And there are lots of times when I write, write something where I end up feeling something that I didn't expect that was the starting point for where this whole thing's, you know, comes from. And there were lots of times I made connections across things that I didn't intend. And that's the, that's the thing. So as we, you know, we're, we're a couple weeks away from ending 2021 and a lot of people do new year's resolutions, consider what habits you want to, you know, develop, what habits you want to engender and adopt and, and think about how they can help you. Um, so while it sounds a little self-aggrandizing, I think that, habits that can help us, you know, grow and learn and, you know, develop are important. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think that, you know, I, I talk about that with my, um, particularly in my graduate class about the idea of writing to think rather than writing to explicitly communicate, right? Like we, we think of writing as a communication mode, which it is, um, and it's an important one. And as you say, the blog has a function that is communicative, right? But yeah. it also has that other function, that reflective thinking function. And I think that's really important and um, often underestimated is how much thinking, like stuff in our heads makes really good sense until it comes out our mouth or onto the page as words. And then you look at it and say, actually, I, I don't have this figured out. It It is a bunch of nonsense. So I think, um, you know, and I think arguably that's one of the values of this podcast for you and I, is we get to talk through things that we yeah. think about and it's not writing, but it is like trying to communicate our ideas. And, and by doing so, we get better at communicating those ideas. So I think it's a, I think you're right. And I'm going to, I tried, I tried starting to blog um, inspired by you when we were, when we were, 
early days in this podcast and I got a few done and then I sort of trailed off. So I need to, you know, get myself back on the horse and try that. Cause I do think not, uh, and, and not cause I want people to read it for your, to your point, but really yeah. just because I think that processing would be good for me. I mean, it's so cool though. I like, I was, I was like going through some, because what it's, everything is captured in time because right. now I can go back and say, what was I thinking in 2012? I have a capture of that for like the entire year. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, people read it and, and, you know, and I look at the statistics here and there, it's just like, I kind of look at the statistics for our, our, our podcast too. But again, we, you and I have agreed that that's not the reason why we're doing it. Right. And we're doing it because it's an opportunity for us to wrestle with ideas. And if people listen, that's awesome. If you're listening, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and people who check out my blog, I'm so thankful. Cause like, Lots of people do, and I'll see sometimes it gets shared around, and sometimes they get referenced by people, which is like amazing that something like that has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, but the it's really my my writing the blog is actually pretty self serving. It's more about me wanting to become a better writer and to work through my own feelings and thoughts. Yeah, and 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 you know, find something like that for you if you're out there listening. You know, Indeed. find that because it's a joy for me. It really is nice. All right. Well, mine is uh, a little more in line with our usual uh, choices. Uh, this is a television show that I'm actually revisiting um, with my family um, because I watched it a while ago. Um, I can't remember how many years ago, but um, but we have just started watching Westworld um, from HBO again. And, nice. And I have my family hasn't seen it, but I've seen parts of it. I haven't seen the whole. I mean, they're in three seasons now, so, but it's, it's a great show and it's a great show right now. Um, just because it really pushes at, um, just notions of reality and also notions of knowing, right. I mean, which is a theme for this podcast. What does it mean to know something? How do you know, um, for example, how do you know you're human? I mean, that's sort of a fundamental question of the show, but um, but it's not our show, that show, <laughs> no, that show. Right. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Westworld. Um, so if you don't know, I mean, the general premise is just, it's in the future. There's, there is this sort of, um, quote unquote amusement park where, um, that is Western themed and people can go and sort of just, you basically live there, um, for a while, however long your, your stay is. Um, and, and it's, it's personed quote unquote person by, by these artificial living things, right? I mean, uh, they robots, however you want to refer to them. Right. So, um, and then it's just about the relationship between these super realistically human, like, uh, you know, organisms, um, and the people, uh, and, and it's, it's fascinating because it does play a lot with, with um with notions of reality and with notions of knowing and it's it's just the production value is spectacular and uh and the acting is is uh is breathtakingly good um, and i think considering- uh, i i think the other part that for me it tapped into like what 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 is free will right yeah. because that's that's a huge concept for the you know the robots humanoids whatever yeah. um but i think the other part for me was like the, the, what is right and wrong, mm-hmm. you know? And, and yeah. whenever, like, if we can hit the reset button, you know, which they can, um, do our, are our actions dismissible? 
yeah. right? Because like, and that's a that's a big thing there because there are people, you know, who are acting in ways that may not be good, quote unquote good. Yeah. But just because we can hit the reset button at the end, does that erase? So is it about the action or is it about the root? Right. Because you can, you can leave, uh, the humans can leave this stuff behind too, right? right. So they, they go to the park, they do what they want. And that's sort of the selling point of it is that it's almost amoral, right? right. That you, you can do whatever you want because it's, a, it's all a game and then you just leave. And then the question is, well, what's the difference between the game of the park and the game of life and right. the, way, the way that you think about those things? So it's, it's uh, yeah. It's, yeah, the but, good and evil stuff is the thing that always yeah. like resonates with me in, in that show. Yeah. Yeah. But good yeah. stuff. Yeah, Westworld. Mm, yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, episode 69 in the books. In the books. That means next time is episode 70. 70. Look at us. Breaking new ground. Breaking Break new territory. Every time. It's a higher number episode. It is. It's It's magic. Magic how that happens. I'm blown away. All right. We'll catch you next time. In between. See you then. Bye now.